We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 531 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960. WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchett back with you and joined by Tyler Horka for his normal Monday visit as we talk fighting Irish football. Tyler, of course, is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra on Saturdays that Notre Dame plays, including this Saturday. We are on the air from 4 until 6.30 Eastern time, leading into the matchup out in Las Vegas between the Fighting Irish and BYU. Tyler, no Notre Dame football this weekend. Were you watching plenty of football? Did you take time away? How did you handle the bye week? Definitely watched plenty of it, and this will go to show you how much I enjoy college football. I was actually in Austin, Texas. I saw Texas play West Virginia. So it wasn't that big of a matchup, 2-2 two and two versus 2-2, two and two, but I just can't get away from it. I, I love being in the stadium on Saturdays, and that's kind of where I grew up. So went back home for the weekend. Little Red River this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, big one. But again, uh, I think that's 3-2 and two versus 3-2 uh, and two this year. So the intrigue... Not very high, but if you've never been to that game or you never really gotten caught up in watching it, uh, it's it's one of the great spectacle, spectacles in college football. you got to experience at least one time. I've experienced it several. Mm. Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, two by far the best neutral site games that you will have in college football. Now, Notre Dame will be playing a neutral site game out in Las Vegas, Shamrock Series against BYU, coming up Saturday night at 7.30. You know, I didn't get to watch whistle-to-whistle of the BYU-Utah State game, but I got enough of a glimpse to get a little better feel on BYU. I've watched them before this year, and some people across the country might be wondering, why is Notre Dame favored against BYU, who is 16th in the country, a 4-1 and team that has beaten Baylor already this year? Well, two things. Number one, I'm not sure how good Baylor is at this point after Oklahoma State throttled them over the weekend, but... The second thing for me is, you know, I'm I'm not sold yet, Tyler, on BYU's ability to run the ball or stop the run against better football teams. And to me, that's a major reason why I think Notre Dame 
has a great chance to win this game. I picked BYU to beat them at the start of the year, but I am flipping my pick because what I have seen out of BYU so far this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't like picking games too early in the week, but we at Blue and Gold Illustrated, we have to pick these games well in advance to get into our uh, written deadlines, our copy deadlines. So we actually made picks on this game two weeks ago. And, of course, BYU had had two games to play between then and and now, and Notre Dame had one and then the bye week. But I picked Notre Dame back then, and I feel more confident – that Notre Dame is going to win this game on Saturday now than I did then. And it goes to what you said, BYU, when it, when it plays competent football teams, and even after an 0-2 start, I would say Notre Dame is a competent football team. We've seen that the last couple of games they've played. They can you know, beat you, as crazy as it sounds, a couple of different ways. You score 45 points against North Carolina, you only needed 24 to beat Cal. So whether it's a defensive game, slugfest type of game, or a shootout, uh, albeit the defense has to be as bad as North Carolina's for Notre Dame to want to get into a shootout, but I agree with you in that BYU can be had at the line of scrimmage, and whatever way Notre Dame wants to play, that, that's kind of their MO, is we're going to beat you up front on both sides of the ball. And if you go back to last year, I think BYU was a 10-win football team. In those 10 wins, they averaged over 205 yards on the ground. In the three losses, that went down to 125 yards of rushing output. And then on the other side of the ball, BYU only allowed, I think it was around 150, maybe 160 yards on the ground from its opponents in its wins. That shot up to 222 yards on the ground for opponents in, the, in those losses. So this, this is right up Notre Dame's alley and who the fighting Irish want to be under Marcus Freeman. He said it all along. We're going to run the ball and we're going to stop the run. Notre Dame has a, a clear test in front of it in that if it does those two things, you beat BYU. If you struggle to do those two things, that's how BYU usually wins. So it's kind of a – I think this game, the, the two styles of play are very similar. BYU wants to do those things. When it does not do those things, it struggles to win. Notre Dame wants to do those things. We, fall, we saw in the first couple of weeks it will struggle to win if it can't win the line of scrimmage. Hmm. Tyler, I asked this question to the start of the week about this Notre Dame football team on Twitter, and the question basically was, how do you look at this Saturday's game? And one of the choices was find out what was real or what was fake against North Carolina. Now, Marcus Freeman on Monday talked about how North Carolina was a really good football team, a well-coached football team, because the question was asked about the Notre Dame offense and what you can take away from basically facing one of the worst defenses in the country. Now, they perform pretty well against Virginia Tech, but the Hokies aren't exactly a powerhouse offensive team this year. So let me ask you a two-part question, and I'll start with this. As you think back to Notre Dame, North Carolina, a week and a half ago, from watching that game, and you were there in the press box, what do you think was real about the Notre Dame football team. What did they do in that game that you believe will carry over into the coming weeks, including this game against BYU? I think we're harping on the wrong side of the ball in this discussion. And you mentioned that the question that was asked at the the press conference was how much of what Notre Dame did offensively was, was real against North Carolina. I'm not so sure we know. We're going to have to see this team 
play a little bit more on that side of the ball to know. What was real was, and I know 32 points isn't going to scream it, but the way the Notre Dame defense flustered one of the better quarterbacks in the country, Drake May, who, by the way, looked really good again Mm -hmm. in that win that Marcus Freeman was talking about against Virginia Tech. North Carolina scores over 40 points, and this is a team that Notre Dame held down really well for, for large stretches of that game. Drake May finishes with five touchdowns, but two of those come late, and two of them were really long. So you're looking at a couple plays away from holding that guy who looks like he's, you know, this is just the beginning for him, too. He's going to be very good. To holding them less than 200 yards and, and three touchdowns, which you take that. I think anybody in the country who has North Carolina on their schedule is signing up for, for that against this guy. And, by the way, this is a North Carolina team that showed that it could run the ball mm-hmm. pretty effectively. I mean, they had stretches where they don't have anything, but they have big plays on the ground with the Marion Hampton. And Notre Dame made that guy invisible in that game. So what was real for Notre Dame against North Carolina was the way the defense played three more sacks you saw plenty of tfls the defensive line was playing great outside of a couple of lapses the secondary looked pretty good so only four games in but i think notre dame has played two very good offenses in ohio state and north carolina and looked pretty good against both of those so what was real was absolutely notre dame could go into any of its games the rest of the way and try to win a game on its defense it's done that it definitely did that against Cal. Tried to do that against Ohio State. Yeah. Looked pretty good defensively against Marshall as well. And then, uh, again, 32 points. It doesn't scream defensive uh, you know, powerhouse or, or one of the better defensive games that you'll see. But given that it was on the road and given the personnel on the other side, th- that was real to me was the Notre Dame defense. Now, Tyler, I think maybe using the word fake is a little harsh in asking the question. So let me tweak it by saying, what did you take away from the Notre Dame-North Carolina game that you still need more information? You still need to see more of this in order for you to be a full believer that this part of the football team is taking steps forward and Marcus Freeman can count on it week in and week out. It's actually the rushing game for me. And I know people are going to say, what? You've, you've got Audrey Estime, you've got Chris Tyree, you've got Logan Higgins even. You know, this was... A big-time facet of that game, there's not going to be a whole lot of games the rest of the way where those three guys are not being contacted until they're four or five yards down the field. That's how you run for seven and a half yards per Mm -hmm. carry or whatever it was. Is The defense is just getting blown off the blocks, and it it just doesn't look like good football. I was sitting up there in that press box, and I said, man, they're just moving them down the field, and that's not going to be the case in every single game you play. probably won't be the case against BYU. So for me, it's the rushing game because you go back to the Cal victory and as good as it looked and and it felt like things were starting to click, especially in that second half offensively for Notre Dame, you look at Chris Tyree and 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 Audrick Estime who combined for 35 carries in that game, they still only ran for four yards per carry. So that was almost, we were talking how bad was this Notre Dame offensive line and how bad was this rushing game overall against Ohio State and against Marshall when Geez, I think against Ohio State, it was more like two and a half yards per carry. And then against Marshall, it was three and a half yards a carry. Against Cal, it was still only four yards a carry. So the anomaly right now is what they did against North Carolina. And I know that's fresh in everybody's mm-hmm. mind was, whoa, 287 yards on the ground. Anybody you gave it to looked really good. At some point, that probably says more about the opposition than it does about yourself. So 
I, I still need to see more from the Notre Dame ground game, specifically those three running backs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. My guest here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the Notre Dame pass rush through four games. I felt like Isaiah Foskey got off to a bit of a slow start, but as his play has picked up, it seems like the entire defensive line has picked up their play as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked so much over the offseason about Foskey on one side and Riley Mills on the other. With The play that sticks out to me from that North Carolina game is when they stunted Riley Mills from the defensive tackle position and mm-hmm. Isaiah Foskey came around from the edge through the inside and Mills was able to get home kind of running a stunt from inside to outside. And I'm starting to think maybe that's where Riley Mills is, is more comfortable. He won't tell you. He'll tell you in these interviews, yeah, I like to play outside. I like to play inside. You just put me on the field and, and I'll let you go. But maybe lining him up right next to Isaiah Foskey is the way to go. But, yeah, it, it's, it all starts with Foskey on the outside, and I think he's getting hot and he's getting better. He's got a two-and-a-half two sacks now this season. So it, it's been the, the guys around him, though, that have made it such a complete pass rush because, like I said, there, there's guys getting home from the interior. How many times have we seen – Howard Cross do it and Jacob Lacey. So the question mark for this team was you lose Kurt Heinish. And I know Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa played outside, but he, he, was all, he was almost like a defensive tackle playing on the outside. You, you lose two guys who you have those girthier defensive tackle builds and you don't know how you're really going to replace them. And I, th- I think those guys have played great. Jason Adamalola has gotten better as the season goes on. Justin Adamalola probably doesn't get enough shine because he's playing – Strong side end, he's playing Viper. He's playing all over the place along the defensive line. So, yeah, these, these guys are kind of like the offensive line, too. They are starting to become who you thought they could be. Now, of course, North Carolina's offensive line has, has been, um, you know, highly ridiculed the, the last couple of years for maybe not being a very good unit. And I know Notre Dame had six sacks against Cal, but it's still kind of one of those things where, you want to believe, okay, yeah, this is this is getting better, and this is what it's going to be. But I think a word that Marcus Freeman Marcus Freeman used in a different context. He was actually talking about Lorenzo Styles earlier with consistency, and you have to place a little bit of that on the defensive line too. It's okay, we've seen the flashes. Now, can you take a week off, go out there and do it against BYU on a neutral site field? If you do it a couple more times, I think people will start to say, yeah, this defensive line is what everybody thought it was going to be before the season, and that's quite frankly, one of the best units in the country. I want people to go to blueandgold.com to read your piece on the Notre Dame wide receiver position. Still a major question mark for this offense. Better play from the wide receivers would really help Drew Pine over the next eight ball games. Let's just say this. There are some really smart coaches on the offensive side of the football. And Tyler, for anyone that is out there saying, well, they should play Merriweather, they should play Wilkins, they should play Colsey. I'm sure what you show in practice is 
going into the decision-making process of using the guys they're using at this particular time. So how do you assess where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks with this wide receiver position? Yeah, it's, it's to kind of address some of the things you said first there, I can guarantee you that Tommy Reese, Chancey Stuckey, Marcus Freeman even, these guys aren't playing favorites with anybody on this roster, and that goes for the wide receiver room as well. If Tobias Merriweather was good enough to get on the field and be trusted to make these plays and, and go out there and turn out snaps and, and get targets, then he would. But the reality of the situation right now is that, okay, you're going to leave Lorenzo Styles on the field for pretty much every single snap. But outside of that, Braden Lindsay and Jaden Thomas are the guys who are eating up these snaps right now. The, the coaching staff is basically telling you that from the snap counts, Braden Lindsay is playing better boundary receiver than Tobias Merriweather right now. And that's a problem and probably says more about Merriweather right now than it does Lindsay. But man, we're like I wrote in the article that you were alluding to on blueandgold.com, we're a third of the way through this season and Tobias Merriweather has played four snaps. And Deion Colsey has played four snaps. Joe Wilkins has played 13 snaps. So they can't even get onto the field, let alone be trusted to make plays. And I mentioned Jaden Thomas earlier. He's a guy that's played, I forget what it was in the article, but well over 100 snaps, maybe even close to 150 snaps or more than that. And he has eight targets on 94 receiving routes run. So if Merriweather or Colsey or Wilkins are not better than that, then that just shows you where this Notre Dame wide receiver room is at because we even talk about a guy like Matt Salerno, and he's made a couple plays this year already, but he's only played 50 snaps. So if you're looking at 283 snaps that Notre Dame has accumulated on the offensive side of the ball through four games, he's only played 50 of those. You're, you're really running a three-man wide receiver rotation, and maybe things click over the bye week. I, I saw an interesting tweet over the weekend that just kind of showed how much Lorenzo Styles progressed after the bye week. We really, we really didn't see a whole lot of him September and early October, then the bye week hits, and I know Avery Davis goes down, but that didn't happen until November. And Styles became a little bit more part of the rotation against North Carolina, against USC in late October. So maybe it's a light bulb moment that we're waiting for, especially with a guy like Merriweather. But with Colsey and Wilkins, I just, you know, the, the headline on blueandgold.com right now says it all. Is it too late? You know, Are we going to see a dramatic improvement with this Notre Dame wide receiver room? Because I think there's a lot of rational minds out there that would probably say, no, I think this is what we got. So at that point, it's Styles, it's Mayer. You got to get Chris Tyree involved catching the ball, and maybe even a guy like Eli Raritan, who Marcus Freeman talked very highly of today. Hmm. Tyler, let me pick your brain about one more subject before I let you go. I'm wondering what you think about the number two tight end position at Notre Dame. Obviously, Michael Mayer is the number one. Take him out of the conversation. Take Kevin Bauman out of the conversation. Out for the year. With a torn ACL, we are seeing some other players farther down the depth chart, some intriguing young players get an opportunity. What is your assessment on the number two tight end position going forward? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that a position with so much depth going into the year has kind of come to this where Kevin Bemmons out with his ACL injury and Mitchell Evans, Marcus Freeman says today that he's just not ready, and, and that's kind of been – a theme press conference after press conference. We don't know when Mitchell Evans is coming back. And that's not to say that, you know, he's behind in a timeline or anything. This is a guy that just fractured his foot 
in July, and we know how complicated foot fractures can be. So you take him out of the equation. Kane Barong tore his ACL about a year ago to the day almost, and he hasn't really been the same. So after Michael Mayer, you're looking at two freshmen really at this point with Eli Raritan, who I mentioned earlier, and Holden Stays. And I know Davis Sherwood can play a little bit of tight end, but I think it's time to really get those two freshmen a lot of reps. And you saw that against North Carolina when Eli Raritan plays over 30 snaps and Holden Stays gets the start and he plays upward of a dozen snaps. So I think those guys rotate a little bit, but I do think that's going to be kind of the uh, the way it divvies out to where Raritan is more of the tight end number two and stays as a tight end number three that can spell him a little bit. But I think this Notre Dame offense could be completely different if those guys get involved in the passing game. And I know you don't want to put too much on their plate. We just talked about Tobias Merriweather as a guy that might have too much on his plate and he can't even get on the field. And now you throw a couple of other true freshmen out there and ask too much of them. But to me, those guys, maybe even more so than Merriweather, who got a lot of publicity in fall camp, look like able route runners and guys who use their big bodies over the middle of the field to catch passes. So if Notre Dame is looking for something and this thing kind of devolves back into a situation the way it was maybe against Marshall, a little bit against Cal in that first half where you need anybody to catch the ball, I think it could be those guys. But Eli Raritan, to me, is, is the complete package. He's the number two rated run blocker on Notre Dame's roster per pro football focus, and that's right behind Joe Alt. Very mm. good company. So, yeah, Raritan is the guy that kind of that fits in there for me as the tight end number two. But you got to use a guy like Stays as well. And I think these are going to be eight huge weeks for a couple of true freshmen like those guys. And Mitchell Evans still not ready to go as he comes back from an injury. All right, Tyler, this week at blueandgold.com, what should subscribers or possible new subscribers expect? Yeah, we're getting back into the flow of a game week. I feel like the bye week kind of came in an awkward time because we were really rolling there. And Notre Dame could probably say the same about the way it was coming off that win at North Carolina, but plenty of BYU coverage to come. I, I know a lot of people are going to be intrigued by this game, not just because it's in Vegas and it's the Shamrock series and all of that, but you know, kind of one of those headliner opponents that Notre Dame had on its schedule coming into the year, a ranked team, a team that has won, I think, 25 of its last 30 games. So plenty to read up on BYU. We'll also have plenty of things from the Notre Dame perspective as well from what Marcus Freeman said today. And coordinators and coach and uh, players will speak tomorrow night. So back into the flow of a game week. we got uh, eight more of these things to write out the next couple of months. And I love it. It's, it's the best time of the year. The, the leaves are changing. It's uh, a little cooler in South Bend. It's football time, man, and yeah. you got to get to blueandgold.com when it's football time. Are you making the trip to Vegas? I'm not, but Patrick Engel will be, so okay. blueandgold.com will be represented in Las Vegas. All right, so you got Chapel Hill, he got Vegas. I'm not sure who won that. No, I think he did. I'll go out and I'll, I'll flat out say it, but he, <laughs> he's been doing really good work for us at blueandgold.com for a little bit longer than I have. So he had first dibs. Okay. And he went with the right he he went with the right choice, I will say that. You had less distractions. No question. Yes, exactly. <laughs> distractions. Marcus Freeman talked about those earlier today. No doubt about it. Hey, Tyler, good to be with you today. Uh, we'll catch up later in the week as we get set for game day sports beat here on Saturday and enjoy your week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Darren. Talk Th to you then. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka does great work covering the Fighting Irish. Check out his work 
at blueandgold.com. They still have that great dollar deal for a year. So make sure you check out blueandgold.com. And we'll have more Blue and Gold conversation tomorrow. Notre Dame football recruiting news with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, their Notre Dame football recruiting insider. News on Marcus Freeman being out recruiting last week and also a very familiar last name from Notre Dame basketball years past apparently may make an impact on the Notre Dame football roster in the near future. Those storylines coming up tomorrow when we talk to Mike Singer here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. It is 5.53, a couple of Irish injury updates coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.